Alright. Welcome back to the Reality of Fantasy Podcast. I am your host, Jesse Cook. And today, we are going to talk about fantasy auctions. The draft, that is. My good buddy, Trevor Franklin, has an auction draft tonight. However, he has a previously scheduled commitment that will inhibit him from participating in said auction. As such, I will be substituting in his place. I'm going to utilize his league settings and layout as a way to discuss auction strategy and the impact of a scoring format on your approach to an auction draft. And I will say, there is no one-size-fits-all approach to going through an auction draft, and honestly, it's not my best format. But I think I have a pretty good game plan for tonight, and I will say, Trevor's draft is a two-player keeper league as well, and his two players, spoiler alert, are going to put me in a very advantageous position come draft time. So you have to stay tuned for that. To close, I also want to talk about a difficult trade offer I'm pondering. This one for me is split 50-50, and I hope that talking through it may elucidate the most appropriate course of action. But, as I said, it's 50-50, and I've thought about it a lot, and I don't think that talking through it's going to do it, but I hope it does. So, if you're not familiar... The auction draft is a different style of draft than your standard snake format. The auction draft, when it is your turn, when you are on the clock, you nominate a player. And those in your league then get to bid on said player. Eventually, player will end up on the roster to the highest bidder. Now, in most auction draft formats, there is a set dollar amount that you start with. For instance... In tonight's auction draft, you're capped at $200 salary. So your entire roster cannot eclipse $200. You don't have to use all of it, but as my buddy Malik Shaw likes to say, you can't take it home with you. So you should definitely try to use all of it. Which presents various ways to approach auction drafts. Some people really like to commit a lot of money early on big name players. So they use their draft capital. Others like to load up on second and third tier players. That's more my approach. But, however, if you miss out on those players and you don't go after the top end, then you can be left with a lot of salary on available that you won't need when you're trying to pick up players at the back end. So auctions are very fun, but rather tricky. So I'm excited for tonight. Thank you, Trevor, for this opportunity, and I hope I do you justice. So Trevor's team, again, is a two-player keeper. It's a 14-team auction. You start with $200 in salary. The roster is standard. One quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, a tight end, a flex, a kicker, a defense, and a bench. Or six benches, sorry. Uh, Notably, two injured reserve spots, which is slightly unique. Uh, I've been gifted. Folks, I am blessed by this Trevor Franklin starting position. His two keepers account for only $35. 35 total dollars, and their names, you may be familiar with them, this guy Patrick Mahomes and 
Alvin Kamara. Yes, that is right. I have Patrick Mahomes and Alvin Kamara for merely 17.5% of my total salary. Just to give you a reference, somebody is keeping Joe Mixon. The Joe Mixon on the absolutely putrid Cincinnati Bengals with no offensive line and really no hope for $45. So my Patrick Mahomes and Alvin Kamara are essentially two-thirds the cost of Joe Mixon in this auction draft. Needless to say, I'm in a very advantageous place to start, and I hope to keep Trevor's roster elite as we go through the process. I was provided the list of keepers earlier today, and I was surprised by names on this list. Names like James White, Tevin Coleman, Mike Williams, Christian Kirk. None of those players are really any players that I want, except for maybe Mike Williams, which we'll talk about more, in this format, which we'll talk about more down at the bottom. Which is good. There was also players I really didn't want, such as Aaron Jones. And so I'm looking at this, and I'm feeling pretty good about where things are at. It's clear that this league has some quote-unquote dead money in it based on the keepers. Both Minnesota Vikings wide receivers have been kept, so I don't have to worry about avoiding them since I hate them. Cannibalistic receivers. I don't have to worry about Robert Woods, Kenny Galladay, Tyler Lockett, all guys that I'm tempted by but really don't want on my roster. So, definitely interesting. I will say that the keeper of Nick Chubb hurts a little bit. Obviously, I'm very high on Nick Chubb this year, but so is everyone. So that makes a lot of sense. So this auction draft and my strategy that's evolving here is largely dependent on this slightly unique scoring format. So this league opted to go with a six point for passing touchdown for the quarterbacks, as well as a negative three penalty for interceptions. I think it's interesting it's, you know, the same ratio of 4 to 2 that other leagues embrace. Uh, but it may actually balance out the disproportionate point allocation that tends to come towards running quarterbacks. Nevertheless, again, my interests in this draft are not quarterback-centric, as I currently have this guy, Patrick Mahomes. I will be looking probably to add a $2 quarterback or a $1 quarterback in the name of like Josh Allen, Kirk Cousins, so on and so forth as protection. I need to look into bye weeks a little bit more just to find the optimal bye week replacement. Ideally, someone playing like Cincinnati or Miami, something along those lines during Patrick Mahomes' bye. But the reality is when you have Patrick Mahomes on your roster to start, you're not really thinking about ever benching him. And if he gets injured, well, that is the nature of the game. And you just have to live with that, that variance. So I'm really just looking for a bi-week replacement because you cannot justify ever taking him out of his lineup regardless of matchup. Another interesting component of the scoring is the amount of, amount of uh, yards per point rushing and receiving. So in this league, instead of the standard 10 yards per point rushing and receiving, there are 8 yards per point for rushing and 6 yards per point for receiving. And that, for me, 
is very interesting. Additionally, there is no points per reception. None at all. And it is six points for a rushing and six points for a receiving touchdown. Given this, and given the starting point, I feel very confident in a strategy where I allocate a large percentage of my remaining salary, probably about 40% of my remaining salary, to two top-end running backs, guys like Chris Carson, Leonard Fournette, Dalvin Cook. I want those. I'm actually considering also getting Latavius Murray, since there's no PPR benefit here. You want guys in top-tier offenses. When there's no benefit for receptions, and the points are reduced for the rushing and receiving yards and not proportionate, we definitely want to be looking for three-down workhorse running backs in top-tier offenses that are likely to score a lot of touchdowns. And for the receivers, I don't think I'm paying up for a top-dollar receiver. I think I'm trying to find a player like Mike Williams who has the potential for 10 touchdowns at a reduced rate. Now, I don't think guys like D.D. Westbrook have the potential for 10 touchdowns, but he's definitely a guy I'm going to try and get. And I'm toying with the idea of throwing D.D. out early while there's a lot of big-name receivers on the board so that I could potentially get him at a lower rate as people want to save their money for their top-dollar players. However... That can always backfire. If someone is really interested in D.D. Westbrook, then you end up paying way more early on if you're that invested or you lose out on him because you want to save your money for later. A player that I'm very interested in here is Josh Gordon. I think the Josh Gordon hype train is starting to ramp up, but I might be able to cash in just a little bit undervalue here, and he's the type of player I want here. I think he has 8 to 10 touchdown upside here. And that's exactly what I'm looking for. I don't think he's going to be a PPR monster this year. I see a lot of four to seven catch games for 80 to 120 yards and a touchdown. And I think that's what I'm looking for out of my wide receivers in this format. When I start looking at tight ends, you know, Zach Ertz is being kept. And that leaves Travis Kelsey available. And... I may send a text to Trevor asking him whether he wants me to invest an arm and a leg in Travis Kelsey and trying to get those touchdowns. I don't think it's the right approach. I don't think his target volume advantage and yard advantage over the other tight ends is being adequately and proportionately recognized by the scoring format. So I'm more looking in the tier of Hunter Henry and Vance McDonald. I was sad to see that O.J. Howard is being kept because he's going to be, I think, a TD force this year. One receiver that could be a TD force that could be interesting is Odell Beckham Jr. And the other is Devontae Adams. But again, I don't think I'm paying high dollar for receiver. So when looking at the scoring format, I'm now getting a sense of where my money should be allocated. And that's the ultimate... Um, purpose or you, the the necessity of preparation, the necessary preparation going into an auction draft. You have to have a strategy. You cannot enter an auction draft just blindly. You will be taken advantage of. You need to know what market value is, and you need to have a general sense of where players 
are likely to end up relative to the market value. And that's where I'm at a disadvantage in this draft because I don't know anyone in this league. I don't know if people are as high on D.D. Westbrook as I am. I don't know if I can get Michael Gallup for $2 at the end of the draft. I don't know if Darwin Thompson is going to be available for me to scoop up. I don't know if Alexander Madison is going to be there for me to scoop up at the end. Where is Austin Eckler going to go? Where is Justin Jackson going to go? These are questions that I have no idea or for how much. I have no answer. And sadly, my favorite player this year, Chris Godwin, is being kept. So that's the only downside I see going in. But I'm looking forward to have a lot of fun. Uh, one player I'm still trying to toy on what to do with at the tight end position is Evan Ingram. Uh, Evan Ingram may not have the touchdowns. And thus, he seems desirable, but it's really not that great. And considering the lack of PPR and the uh, deficiency in points allotted towards yardage, I don't know that I'm prioritizing tight end. I think tight end is either going to be the Hunter Henry Vance McDonald for $10, or I'm just going to punt and go get Darren Waller or something along those lines where I might be able to squeak out five to seven touchdowns. So that's what I'm thinking. Tomorrow I'll recap what transpired, if I can get some time away from research and clinic. And uh, hopefully things, hopefully I'm still in the optimistic chipper mood. I likely will get outbid on certain things. I'll probably overbid on certain things, but I'm looking forward to it. Thank you again for this opportunity, Trev. I hope to do you justice. Now transitioning a bit, in my main league, I received a interesting trade offer. A good buddy of mine, Owen Reese, shout out to Owen, great dude, smart dude. He's looking for a wide receiver. He's got a player I'm extremely high on, if you haven't noticed so far by my ringing endorsements every episode. And he offered his Chris Carson for my Antonio Brown. And to evaluate this trade appropriately, you have to know the scoring. It's 0.5 points PPR, and everything else is standard. 10 points rushing, 10 points receiving, or 4, you know, and then 6 points per touchdown. I have Devontae Adams, Josh Gordon, and Chris Godwin, along with Antonio Brown. And I start two receivers and a flex. I have Dalvin Cook, Latavius Murray, the Eckler, and Justin Jackson pairing. Darwin Thompson and Peyton Barber, who's probably about to get cut by me pretty soon, but we'll see. I'm really high on Chris Carson. I also don't want to trade Antonio Brown to my brother and have Antonio Brown go out for 1,300 yards and 13 touchdowns while Chris Carson ends up injured in week five. This is something I'm battling. This is legitimately a 50-50 trade in my mind. I think it benefits both parties. I see merit in both parties doing this. I think it's a gamble for both parties. And I'm still uncertain, even after talking it through. For today, I'm going to close with a brewery of the podcast. Last time, we highlighted component brewing in Milwaukee. Along that same day, we journeyed to Eagle Park Brewing. Thank you, Andy Milky, for organizing such an amazing list of beering events before us going to the Arizona Diamondbacks and Brewers game. Eagle Park Brewing. Unreal beer, folks. Unreal. I think there was 20 taps, maybe a little more. 
And every single one of them that I had, probably about four, were absolutely delicious. Absolutely delicious. They had this pineapple milkshake IPA too. That was truly phenomenal. Life-changing. And of course, they had a couple dark beers that I truly enjoy. So if you're out in Milwaukee, bypass the prototypical breweries and head on over to Eagle Park Brewing and also Component. Folks, I appreciate you listening. We are getting closer and closer and closer to that Bears-Packers opening Thursday night battle. I'm excited. I hope you are. I really appreciate you listening, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. I am Jesse Cook, and this is the reality of fantasy. Take care.